if I'm going to go right now, write about fashion designing, it's not going to work. But let's say if I'm going to just go write about SEO marketing or crypto, it's going to work for sure. Why so? Because my profiles, my social presence reflect that because I mean, you know, I, I'm very, very deep into these particular uh, verticals for quite some time. Welcome to Unmiss, your go-to digital marketing hub. I'm Anatoly Ulatovsky, here with expert tips and exclusive chats to boost your online game. Let's get started. Hello, good people. Welcome to our show. Hello, bad people. Welcome to the show. Hello, welcome. Today, we are going to discuss a lot more about ACO and Unite with web development. It's a must have to have website speed, to have content that uh, loads fast, uh, without errors, bugs, many other things. It's important to pay attention, to choose the right CMS system that will provide results because I know a few projects that <laughs> spent like a few years without any results because of choosing their own uh, CMS. We can touch these topics. We can speak more about migration, many other things, errors. I don't know how these errors appeal but i often get this issue when you fix everything looks fine but in a few days <laughs> it's all the same i'm so excited to discuss a lot more vishay muhammad bilal how are you i'm doing great thanks for inviting anatoly yeah big pleasure big pleasure i want to learn more about that you are located in dubai so basically i think you pay attention to english projects and uh, probably arabic i don't know you can share with us uh, tell more about your experience background and anything that can help our listeners to learn more about you sure thing okay so my name is sheikh we started up uh, i started my journey in messio over like 11 years ago um i started off as a as a publisher um more of like you know adsense kind of a thing I uh, started from there and uh, then I started my career uh, back in 2013 and I you know I could kind of worked with my way around through agencies uh, small um, uh, startups scale-ups and kind of you know making my way around the enterprise as well just kind of exploring the whole market how it works with everything um, I mean recently uh, four years ago uh, I founded my own ACO agency uh, in, in Dubai um, we are here because like it's a great place to live, uh, very good weather now, uh, I mean, uh, before it used to be very, very hot, uh, but it actually was raining yesterday, very crazy. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, like uh, we're located in Dubai right now, helping uh, a lot of people uh, with, with uh, the nightmare of search marketing, especially with SEO, uh, scaling them up from ground up and taking them to amazing heights. Nice, nice. Love it, love it. Okay, I want to start with a uh, technical audit. Uh, and we, we, when we take a new website, we usually check the technical stuff uh, with uh, Google Search Console, Screaming Frog, uh, many other tools, iChairs, SEMrush, many tools. We have a lot of great tools that will provide a lot of results. But the main issue when you have all these technical errors, sometimes thousand errors and all of them can consist a lot more. So when you go deeply, you don't know what to fix. You don't know where to start, what to do first. And uh, uh, sometimes it's almost impossible to fix everything. We need to find critical errors to pay attention to them. And, um, uh, for example, when tools can show you have uh, some, uh, I don't know, uh, bad results, uh, uh, for example, PageSpeed Insights can show like you are in red line, but when I check out Amazon, I can see the same red line. So Amazon doesn't care about that. Uh, and uh, Amazon and big brands can play their games because to create new standards, because Google and other search engines don't care. 
if it's uh, red, green, yellow line, they care about quality, about uh, speed, and Amazon provides a good job with that. Amazing yeah. job. A lot of content. If you open any page, you can get immediately almost anything. Tell us how to choose critical errors if we have no resources like Amazon, but we still have resources. We want to fix our websites and how to choose the right errors and to fix them. Okay, so see, uh, it, it pretty much, uh, I would say, I will take it as like two questions here. Uh, first one overall is like, you know, like how to identify the errors. So as you speak, like for instance, like mostly when you're confronting with like thousands of errors, um, you just have to group them together. I think grouping is the first technique that you have in mind because again, it's like, it might be like 500 URLs. Maybe if you have like an error list of like 4,000 strong, you might have like 600 uh, arousing from a particular thing that you have to fix. Uh, and another like say 1500 that that's being caused by another thing um, a small example here that for instance one of our clients they had like uh, everything going green in Cobra vitals and then we had an update uh, in, in the in the lighthouse platform another new metric introduced uh, and suddenly we saw like you know some stuff going towards from from green towards like yellow let's say um, so it was a bit alarming and it was publishing media of course like publishing media gets grossly affected and as you mentioned, like for instance, you know, it's it's about the website intent at the end of the day. Um, you have to know what your platform is, what are your users, and based on that, you have to critically check what's important for me to do and what's not important for me to do. And SEO metric can be most important for publishing media, but it might might not be so well important for e-commerce website. Let's say, for example, uh, with your when you're running a news website. Um, I think core revitals is a very big deal. Uh, it can make a very big difference because uh, you are serving content information. Uh, it has to go in front of the user very, very quickly. And when it comes to, let's say, an e-commerce website, I mean, it can be, you can still go fine if it's not like 100%, you know, like, so you, there can be something else to worry about over there. For instance, internal link in e-commerce is far more important than core revitals. So depending on the, the website or the intent, of your product, your website, you need to understand it. And based on that, you need to strategize the priorities of the tasks. And relation to, to errors and finding, I would say like finding an error, any SEO can do it. Uh, I would say just by running an audit on Screaming Frog, Ahrefs, SEMrush, or even doing it manually. Uh, the main critical thing, which is the main key of success is to like what issues to actually counter or fix before the other ones, because some things can pretty much bring you a better return on investment rather than the others. And it might even be like, you know, uh, you might spend most of the time or more time on stuff, which is going to be making a small difference in, in your business. So I think the main key takeaway is to just pick up something which is more, um, let's say, well suited for for your intent of the user groups and your business. And that's how the the, the successful strategy can be can be taken from there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, can you tell your loving tools that you use uh, for technical optimization and how you divide critical errors uh, from errors that you can skip or procrastinate to fix them. So give more insights about that. Yeah, sure thing. So, I mean, like we, we, we use uh, a lot of tools. Uh, I mean, like, uh, of course, like uh, tools make our lives much, much easier, but I'm still like uh, an old school SEO. I like to see the website by my own eyes first. See like, you know, because I think, you know, your, your brain is the best tool that you have. You need to perceive what's in front of you. 
and, and and you know what what can be wrong like for instance just put a website in front of me which is done in javascript without even doing the testing i can tell you if it's client side rendered or if it's like server side rendered i don't even need a tool to just tell me because you know like there are certain things that you can see from your eyes which can tell you if this is a rendered app or if it's not rendered up uh likewise but we of course like tools are very very handy uh, so the list of tools that I use or my team use on a daily basis, um, we I would say like there's no tool in the industry which is good for everything. So of course, like, you know, we have to pick a uh, like, list of tools for different things. Uh, I would say starting off with um, with a website uh, when we when it comes to like you know authority building or uh, spoofing the links of your competitors, we use Ahrefs, um, which is very very good. Their their link database is, is quite great. Uh, when it comes to technical audit of the website, uh, I like to use um, uh, I like to use the Screaming Frog, uh, as well as I also like using Deepcrawl, which is very very good for JavaScript websites especially. Um, and when it comes to let's say uh, competitive analysis or you know that's doing like a traffic breakdown between me and my different competitors i think semrush is also a very good pick over there um <clears throat> alongside with that you know some ranking rank tracking stuff that we use on a daily basis but that i think you know like you have a lot of tools and i would not say that one tool is better than the other one they, they're just doing the same job at the end of the day mm-hmm. and fourth or the most important one uh for me is some custom dashboards that if you can do it i mean like when you progress you know in in in, in seo um, you you can you can be you know because like every SEO has a different strategy, and you know you need to. There's no checklist by Google like a hey, follow one two three four five hundred and you know like your website gonna pop up in the first in in the search results. That's not working. So I think keeping a list ready for you all the time and making immediate changes on it depending on what's happening in the market, what updates are coming, what new trends are coming, is very vital for any SEO out there right now. Mm-hmm. Can you explain for non-technical people, in most cases I cooperate with these people uh, who have no idea about web development, who might know that WordPress exists, uh, Wix, other (laughs) platforms, but have no idea how it works, and um, uh, they check technical uh, audits, you know, web developer, uh, I mean, like SEO agencies love to provide this uh, audits and yeah. they need to check it. And they see a lot of errors uh, and don't know what's going on, how to go ahead. I have uh, a lot of errors, but uh, even after fixing, it's tough to get uh, to, I don't know, to to cut significant part of these errors you uh, we still have these errors even with great content high quality content because uh, uh you know for me personally i usually check user experience first i analyze ux yeah. i analyze analyze bug testing if everything is working fine then only i can jump with technical optimization to increase speed to fix all these errors can you tell uh, where you pay uh, extra attention when you analyze technical errors Again, you know, like going to that particular dimension of uh, fixing the errors, you know, like I still have clients which may have like thousands of errors reported on Google Search Console. But I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, there's always something more important to address because maybe these errors are not going to be, you know, they're not going to bring a lot of change to the the results or to to the traffic that they're getting at the end of the day. So, I mean, it all depends on what type or what significance of the errors are there. Uh, let's say, for instance, like for for non-technical foes, you know, like making sure like your, uh, let's say, if you have a consistent error of, you know, um, there's no H1 tag on the page. Okay, okay, I mean that is something which is very easy to understand that your content doesn't have a heading one tag. 
and it's an easy counter to fix. Uh, it will not be even appearing in the search console for you, but if you get an audit report from any of the SEO agencies and they tell you, hey, you know, you have a website uh, which has, let's say, 5,000 pages, and out of the 5,000 pages, you have like errors of H1 in all 5,000 pages. Now, as a non-technical guy, you will be scared, you know, hey, I have got 5,000 errors. But I mean, it's just a tag that you need to fix. You might have a title there, but it's not wrapped around in the H1 tag, let's say properly. So, I mean, you know, it's it's just very simple stuff. And I think like six or seven years ago, uh, there was no content anywhere. And I would say it was very difficult for, for especially the business owners to kind of understand the gravity of like, you know, what they have to do. But I think nowadays when I when I start working with any of the startups or any founders or any entrepreneurs uh, in, in the digital space, something which is very, very good to see is that, you know, like they, they have that knowledge. They have that that initial knowledge of like, you know, knowing some basics. And I think it's a, it's a very vital part of being an entrepreneur, especially if you are having a digital product or anything related to website media, um, that you need to have that knowledge. And I think this knowledge is available everywhere. Like I would say key strategies might not be available everywhere. Nobody's sharing what's working nowadays. They might share it after two months when it's pretty much absolute or not working anymore. It's not like, or it's getting already highly competitive, but I mean, still like you can still get the basics out there. It's very, very easy. Mm -hmm. Nice, nice. Um... Sheikh, I want to ask about uh, co uh, communication between developers and uh, clients or SEO agencies. It doesn't matter. Just uh, how to improve this communication because I see when uh, clients can ask developers, please fix uh, all these technical errors and they often get reply, we can fix these errors uh, uh, because of uh, CMS limitations, because of other things. Can you recommend what to do then? I mean, like we need to tell, look at, find the way, or I will find someone else who can do it in this job or uh, anything else, or we, we can be, okay, we can trust them and uh, just leave it uh, that we have. Okay, I've, I've experienced multiple type of product teams in my experience. I have experience with the worst of the product teams, and I have also got experience with one of the one of the best product teams out there as well. Okay, so the, uh, let me start with the good ones. Actually, okay. um, they're very they're 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 very few, but I mean, you know, they they understand the gravity of the situation, and especially you know, like uh, when when you have good SEO teams and they are working with a good product team what's the best process like with the communication and you know like the sprint planning and all of that is like you know seos go to the product managers to prioritize stuff and then kind of ballpark a metric hey you know like let's do improve these fixes and after that we expect this metric to increase let's say by 10 percent okay so they quantify it and they tell it upfront that this is what you're going to do and this is what's going to result, like an approximate result. I think SEOs can give approximate results. You know exactly a particular change, how much change it can bring. Sometimes the changes can bring a significant impact. Sometimes those changes can actually bring some minimal impact. And I think with time on experience, you will know accurately how much difference a particular implementation can bring to a website. Now, with this case scenario, I think everything works fluidly. And in terms of communication, I think you need to have such good ties with the product managers. If you have one success case with any product team that you got something implemented and you got some good results, and then you acknowledge that we worked with a product team to kind of fix up that particular issue and that caused a hike in the ROI or sales of the business, they are going to prioritize you as an SEO moving forward to kind of you know work with you to kind of fix more stuff because they had a good experience now. 
And also, when you approach to the developer, uh, developers or the product team, don't tell them that they have done something wrong. They might take it in another meaning that you know, like we don't, you, you, you're not the one to tell us exactly how to do stuff. I think it can get personal in the industry. Like some people I have confronted, they take it a bit more personal, and it, it, it's not everything personal. It's more of like you know, we did an audit, we found some issues, and it's super you need to fix. Now coming towards the worst product teams, what ends up happening there? is that when you come to them about something, they get defensive. And I think, you know, like as a company, when the company functions, every department, even if you're working with an agency, it's all towards the come to take the company to the success, okay? To, to yeah. increase the revenue, to increase the business. And I think if those values are clear, then I think we are humans, okay? Everybody can make mistakes. So you just need to acknowledge that, okay, there's always learning here. I have learned a lot from developers and I think developers or product managers also have learned a lot from me. So it's a vice versa process. You learn from them in terms of how they are organizing the engineering sprints. They learn from you exactly how the stuff is done in an optimal manner. Because once they have experienced it with you, that they did this in, in this particular manner, when they are gonna go work for another organization later on, they will remember it because that's a good thing that they did and they actually brought like some good change. But when it comes to the worst case scenarios, I mean, that's the problem here. So sometimes when SEOs are like, you know, let's do this implementation and then there's a defensive uh, mechanism kicking in from the product teams or the engineering teams that this is gonna take a lot of time or this is gonna be taking a lot of effort. I think quantifying the results in terms that, you know, let's do this and it's gonna bring up this particular impact and be very, very exact about it. I think it, it really helps to accelerate the process. But there are there are certain um, uh, times when it, it will not happen as well. But it, again, you know, if that's not happening, I think it all needs to be, uh, uh, you know, it all needs to be communicated on a higher level just to ensure that, you know, things kind of work out for, 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 the, for the teams as well. But if it's not, I mean, you know, like I have not seen a team which is not acknowledging. They always say there are errors and issues. Their only question is that if we are gonna spend so much time fixing it, what are we gonna get at the end of the day? And if you cannot quantify the results in front of them, hey, I'm saying or I'm busting my ass from last 20 days for you yeah. to fix this particular list of errors and it's gonna bring 20% increase, all you have to say is that what is it going to bring on the table, okay? And if they think that what you're saying is worth a lot of effort, but it's going to give a lot of boom or boost on the revenue side, they will do it for you. But if, let's say, you're asking them like for to block three sprints on something which can bring like 2% of the change, they might be reluctant in doing because they also have more priority stuff, so releasing new features, doing something new, doing some revamps. I mean, they, they always have some stuff to do. So, I mean, it's just about the prioritization and quantifying the results accordingly. Yeah, nice, nice, valuable. Um, let's talk about uh, importance of some part of content um, because content is king. Without great content, it's tough to get results, especially today. All niches are overwhelmed, overpriced, plus 2 billion websites online. We need to get results. I remember in 2008 when I started my digital journey, that was more simple. Many companies still pay attention to yellow pages, <laughs> uh, yeah, offline marketing, but today almost all companies are online. Uh, and um, it, it's tough. It's really tough today to get traffic. Yeah. But if you do it smart, you can get great results. For example, we uh, grow one product from zero uh, to 2,000 people a day in a very competitive niche trading. Uh, we compete with billion dollar companies, big companies, but we found the way how to get results. Uh, it works well. So uh, 
and uh, for me it's important to um, consider your strong side uh, let me explain about that for example content yeah uh, content uh, consists of writing design uh, block elements uh, uh, development and um, uh, sometimes uh, we have limited resources we can uh, create the best design ever because great designers can charge a lot you know i know companies that can charge thirty thousand dollars for one page you know so yeah uh, google paid like two million dollars for uh, home page you know and uh, uh, that's okay we, we usually search for premium uh, services and uh, if I have limited resources, I always have limited resources, as even cooperating with big companies, uh, we pay attention to specific type of content like writing, uh, design, development, or anything else. And for me, it's the most important is writing. Uh, nothing can work without great writing. If you bring generic text, design, development can't save this content. But if you have great writing, then you can uh, analyze where to pay more attention, like Wikipedia. Wikipedia consists of great writing, always updated, uh, valuable, uh, helps a lot, support. And um, uh, so I pay attention to writing. And if I need to ignore the rest, I can ignore the rest, but uh, create great writing. Then I pay attention to other elements. Can you tell between design, UX, development, what is the most important element from your experience? Uh, again, going to the same point of like, what is what is the website all about? Uh, are mm -hmm. you a news website or are you a publishing media? Uh, I think if you're a publishing media, for instance, like, yeah, the top priority is to have a very original content uh, piece and expertise pretty much reflected through the whole piece. If I'm going to go right now, write about fashion designing, it's not going to work, okay? But let's say if I'm going to just go write about SEO marketing or crypto, it's going to work for sure. Why so? Because my profiles, my social presence reflected because, I mean, you know, I, I'm very, very deep into these particular uh, verticals for quite some time. Um, now, well, let's say if you have an e-commerce website, I have also seen some of the people putting like, you know, 600 or 500 pieces of words inside the product pages. I mean, why are you doing that? Because, I mean, a user is not in that page to read the information. They are just there to make a purchase. So their action is transactional. So you have to facilitate that action through your UX, okay? So, I mean, UX is important for every particular niche or every particular segment, even, evenly and oddly as well. Because, I mean, if, if you have a bad UX, you cannot excel as, as a content publisher you cannot excel as, as an e-commerce website. You cannot excel as an enterprise, okay? But when it comes to content, you need to know exactly if your if your particular business is driven by content or is driven by sales, okay? And I think that's a differentiating factor between what was working before and what is not working now. Um, a lot of websites recently saw some penalizations, especially when it comes to um, the websites which were trying, were, were affiliates, definitely, uh, and they were targeting a lot of commercial or transactional keywords and the websites were very content heavy. Okay. Mm -hmm. Why was that? Because I mean, you know, like uh, Google always wanted users to get something. I mean, Google is also a product. Okay. And they yeah. spend millions and billions of dollars to optimize their product. Look at how search is working nowadays. You have the zero search results. You have the feature snippets. You have Google shopping. You have Q and A's. You have everything out there. Just ask a question on Google search and see what happens. They don't even want people to go to another website. 
they will put the answer in front of your eyes. Okay. So, I mean, what's happening in this industry, you have to follow those trends. And to follow those trends, the main important thing to, to kind of understand here as a business owner and as an SEO is what do you need to do to ensure that your product stands out? Okay. And this can never happen unless or until you don't study your users, your particular customers, because you need to know who's going to be on your website, who's going to come to your website, who's going to interact with your website. And based on that, take actions, optimize the UX. And let's say if it's in a content publisher or content media, make sure that the content is of a great quality. Okay. So as far as what I've already discussed, if you have a publishing media or a content marketing website, number one goes the content. Number second, of course, the UX. You cannot skip on the UX. We have seen 800 to 1900% increase in the search traffic in the short span of four to five months just by improving or just shifting some elements in the UX. And this works pretty much very well. Why? Because you're helping the journey of the user. When they are already on the page, they need to see that information and they need to see it well organized. So you have to do it as a content marketer. Let's say if you have the product pages, e-commerce website, let's say, you know, um, very good titles, very transparent information, high quality pictures can pretty much yield to like 40% increase in the conversion rate of your whole website. I mean, uh, just compare two same websites selling the same product, ranking side by side in Google, but one has far more sales than the other one. Why? Just because they have a better UX to, to facilitate the user journey for as an e-commerce platform. And I would say you can always follow the leaders in the industry like for instance if you're an e-commerce website you can follow amazon you can follow ebay but also if you are an seo and if you're a product engineer you need to work together to also invent the new standards in the market you just not follow the full footsteps of people who have already did it because something which is very well rewarded nowadays is if you are trying new stuff that nobody else is trying just to facilitate the user behavior and the user journey because and it's based and backed by data it's not just like you know you're sitting there hey let's do this i mean does it help my users does it help the user journey the funnel and everything that's the main question here yeah nice nice you know <laughs> you can lead me in an emergency room uh, to consume all this information because you share a lot of <laughs> valuable tips <laughs> i need to uh, and yeah uh, in one reply you, you shared about feature snippets about ux you know a lot of great insights and um, uh, i have a lot of questions many great questions uh, especially uh, you know uh, about UX. Can you uh, explain what great UX means? And uh, uh, I often see when website owners, masters uh, submit a lot of information on, in the homepage. But if I open Apple.com, I can see only iPhone, nothing else. You know, very simple to consume. Uh, free space on left side, on the right side, uh, everywhere. Uh, and Apple doesn't try to sell a lot of other products uh, in one visible screen. Uh, so. So um, uh, Apple doesn't sell MacBook, I don't know, AirPods, uh, Apple Watch. Uh, yeah, a lot of great stuff. But because Apple knows, it might confuse. And today, simplicity is key. You don't need to sell everything. Uh, and it's better to learn your audience, to collect data, to understand what they want to get, and to satisfy uh, a buying persona. Can you tell about simplicity, UX, and personalization? Just uh, three points. Personalization, simplicity, UX, and how to analyze and measure uh, all of them. Okay. Um, 
I would say from from a measurement perspective, uh, let's let's drive onto this one because I mean, you know, as a, as a new business, when you're starting off a, a new brand or a new website, you don't have the data. Okay, so basically, mm -hmm. what you are trying to build on is maybe your personal perception or your team's perception, or maybe you have gone beyond. Uh, that time and kind of did some surveys and asked some people around, you know, because I mean, surveys are the key. Uh, if you, if you I, are I can tell you, mo way. most of sites without experience usually analyze competitors. You know, they see what competitors exactly. do and collect this data on this way. Yeah. I mean, like that's one methodology, but yeah. in that way, you are not bringing something new on the table. So why should you be the one to be on the top and not the person who's already doing it from quite some time? That's my only question. So you might take a small share, but you cannot have the big share in the market unless or until you kind of do a breakthrough technique or something new, which is not being done there. Um, when it comes to personalization, of course, yeah, that's the second thing that you asked me for. Uh, again, personalization is, is, a, is a very good thing to, to do or to add in a user journey, um, especially, and I would say from an SEO perspective, I, have, I can give you a small case study here very quickly. Um, one of our uh, brands, uh, they talk a lot about, um, um, you know, let's say um, crypto, okay? And most of their posts are running towards particular categories or particular clusters, okay? So when they, when somebody is reading about, let's say, um, Bitcoin halving, which is a, like a very small topic that I'm telling you, when they scroll down, all the internal links and all the uh, related articles are related to the topic that they're reading on, okay? That's the level of personalization that you need to achieve. Again, there's a very big misperception of the metrics. Hey, put more internal links, you got to get more ranking. No, the, the links have to provide value. I mean, why would someone click a link which is not relevant to what they're reading in front of them? So again, you know, like these small things can, can bring a big change. Uh, again, another type of personalization. I mean, everybody use Spotify, Spotify as a as an application, like you know, listen to music and all of that stuff. Just have some small service between the user journey anywhere. Take the inputs from the user and then serve them according to what they want to see in front of them. And I think that is something which is which is very very much important nowadays. If you want to develop a platform which is having only one-off users, which are not going to come again to your platform, I think you don't have to do the personalization. If you want the loyal audience to come back always to your website and kind of see what they like, you got to focus on the personalization side. Personalization, I mean, ask questions. Um, ask uh, a small survey inside the website anywhere. What do you want to see exactly in front of you? And then you, wish, you should be able to take that input from the user and serve them exactly what they need to see in front of them. I mean, that's the foundation of web at the end of the day. You have categorizations, you have menus, you have subheading, submenus, and all of that. Why do we do that? We are just trying to organize that information, what we think is the good one, but a user might think something else, you know? Yeah. So if you're, if you're able to cater that UX or the front end or like what they're seeing in front of them, according to what they want to see, I think that can be a game changer. And I think achieving it is not a small journey. You cannot just do, hey, you know, we'll run one test case uh, and be able to do it now. It, it's, a, it's a very long journey and there should be a lot of testing and A-B testing happening there. Um, and I think people are losing, using a lot of tools. Uh, I like Hotjar, which is a very nice tool in the market. Uh, to actually kind of compare how the UX is performing. Um, uh, and you have a lot of things over there that you can pretty much, you know, run use cases on. You can run variations. I want to serve the same page in two variations, you know, in, in the same country, in maybe different continents, and then kind of make a comparison. What did better? 
I mean, Google does the same thing when they are launching a new update. They're not launching it whole worldwide, you know. They are launching in a certain segments of the country, and then they take the data. If it works, I mean, they will pretty much, you know, roll it out for a bigger segment, and that's how it works in the market standard as well. Yeah, nice, nice, awesome. Uh, you mentioned about feature snippers, other blocks on Google, and um, I remember when Google uh, started to implement them, many content creators complained. Uh, because Google can steal our clicks, yeah. <laughs> uh, steal yeah. content from content creators. But, you know, AI can do even worse <laughs> than that because AI can rewrite your content and without even linking to you. And I think many content creators will miss this time when feature snippers just <laughs> link to our content. Um, uh, and uh, I want to ask about AI, uh, about even uh, your prediction about the future because... Uh, According to data, 12% of users switch attention from search engines to AI, including me. Uh, and for example, um, uh, when I decided to buy Tesla in Florida, I searched on Google. Can I use self-drivers feature autopilot uh, on Florida because each state has different law? And uh, I couldn't find the answer to simple question on Google. I got a lot of content about Tesla, about electric cars, why we need to save the world. Yeah, we need it. But I need something else. I need the answer to my simple question. And I couldn't find. But I did it. I got this answer in ChatGPT for a few seconds. The same experience I had with Bart today. It's uh, Jimmy Nye. Uh, and um, I searched uh, about uh, uh, documents that I need for opening a new business in Florida. And again, on Google, a lot of great content, but I need answer to my simple question. So uh, on uh, Gemini, I got a list of documents uh, exactly to my requirements. Um, and I, I love this experience. It's not like uh, the, safe, yeah. the first version when you know, when you get the wrong information, uh, inaccurate data today, in most cases, it's uh, accurate. Can you tell your prediction about the future uh, of ACO, considering that we have AI today? Uh, I mean, there have been like a lot of blunders uh, since last year. I, even when the Google presentation went wrong, uh, when they were trying to compete bad with, uh, with ChatGPT. Um, and I mean, you know, like there's always a race in this industry about like who pretty much presents a better product at the end of the day. And being the industrial leaders, Microsoft and Google, they have tough wars uh, and it has been happening from quite some decades. Um, my takeaway over from the whole situation is that, you know, search will pick up, will pick up for sure. Uh, but AI is not going anywhere. Uh, then both, both of these have like their own pros and cons. AI works on a specific data set. So unless or until the AI becomes real time, I would say, you know, I would, if AI becomes real time, you know, and that is very, very impossible to achieve because that pretty much requires a lot of computing power. Um, I mean, you know, right, right now, just go to ChatGPT. I have a paid version. I'll go to ChatGPT4, for instance, ask it something. I mean, still they're using a data set, which is like an year old, okay? So what happened in last year is not fed inside of it. So of course, if I'm asking something which happened last year, it will not be give, able to give me the result for that. But anything which happening before that, it will it will be able to. So, for instance, like in your query, if the rule got changed for Florida that the maps are not going to be available anymore in the 2024 year, then the information is the misinformation that you're getting because the data set was just up to, up to a particular point. 
it's not getting the real time data so that's the only con that i see in the in 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 the in the ai side of the chat gpt or any other um, assistant when it comes to search search is a bit more real time because you know like people putting information in real time getting stuff indexed in the google search engine it's all about the challenge now how google is a, can take that information and present it to users in a correct way and i think that's a thing and that's a ball game that they have been lagging from last couple of years especially they they pretty much implemented bert as an algorithm which is pretty much understanding the intent of the query which is which was a very big leap in the, in the search after a couple of, like a lot of years that now google search understands what exactly am i looking for am i looking to buy something am i looking for information but after that i mean the things have been quite slow so nobody can say what's going to happen but like google search still has an upper hand in terms of having that information which is consistently produced on a daily basis and their crawler goes everywhere on a daily basis while ai is a bit a bit reserved because like that data set is a bit older it's not working on real time data so that's that's my only key takeaway also second thing about content creation with ai i would say it, it's working for people who already have established authority in the world it's not going to work for any I, i've seen a lot of people a lot of new publishers hey we have ChatGPT now. We're gonna write like 100, 200 pieces on a daily basis. Get traffic on our website. Not gonna happen for you because why? I mean, you're still a new website. Why would you get traffic? Uh, and again, I don't think if they can detect it or not. I mean, they were still able to detect some 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 places that the AI was used, but they didn't do any anything because we even have like an official statement from Google. I mean, as long as the information is right, we don't care. It's fine. So if the Verge is using it. A lot of other big media houses are using AI to amplify their process, but they are authoritative and already established brands. One more thing over here, which also coincides with your question. If you search for any question or any information nowadays, Google is not presenting any information rather than Reddit and Quora, okay? Because it already has established that these two resources have got some good information that's coming directly from the user, so it cannot be wrong. So it can pretty much bet on people discussing about a particular topic and producing and putting those information things on the top search for anything related to information and you will be finding reddit and Quora most of the time around 90 percent of the queries you'll find either them or a featured snippet if they are very sure but they need to be very sure about if they are going to do for us the featured snippet it's also taken from a website but the website is hosted by one company while reddit and Quora those things are community like you have a group of people discussing for a particular topic and sharing their views so again you know that's a bit more valuable in front of them so i mean this is what they are trying to do right now yeah uh, you know I, I like your answer but i can't agree completely about that uh, let me mm -hmm. share my points it doesn't mean that i'm right you're wrong <laughs> I, I know in marketing we have disagreement it's common issue yeah. and if something works for others it doesn't mean it should act work for everyone but anyway about uh, real-time data if we speak about uh, gemini or bart uh, previous bart to the gemini uh, it uses real-time data this tool uses real-time data chat gpt uh, updated to april 2023 so basically uh, you you can consider uh, this time of updation and i agree you need to use different resources you can use reddit quora uh, and uh, on google we also have a lot of outdated content including on my website <laughs> i have no time to to rewrite all content that we have so uh, yeah. and it's important uh, 
to have experience in specific topic when you can divide uh, obsolete data from AI, from Google, from Quora, Reddit. You you need to have this experience. You need to understand if it's quality or not because it's tough without yeah. experience to understand. For example, I can't create great content with ChatGPT uh, about accounting, for example, because I, I don't know accounting. It's not my niche. I can do about marketing, about SEO because I work in this niche. Uh, uh, I try to create content about weight loss. I couldn't. I had experience to lose my weight five years ago. I did it, but that was personal experience. I can't teach others. That was personalized yeah. experience. And uh, yeah. I think it's important to know the topic. If you uh, an expert in one niche, then you can analyze Bard, Google, uh, Quora, uh, ChatGPT, anything. You can learn and find what actually will work for you. And it's only beginning of yeah. this AI, AI journey. I think AI tools will develop. Yeah, of course. Yeah, like because like uh, if you if you see if you compare from last year, I think they have groomed up a lot more now, um, mm -hmm. and and also like uh, when we talk about like real time Gemini and and stuff. I mean, yeah, definitely. But yeah, if you if you specifically say ChatGPT, which is very very popular, everybody uses it on a daily basis. I mean, Gemini and all other stuff. I mean, still you know like there's a small segment of human population who's still using that. But I mean, ChatGPT, ask anyone, you know, they know it because of the hype and all of the stuff, you know, and they pretty much consider AI to be ChatGPT at the end of the day. I mean, you know, like, but I mean, if, if, if that has its downsides, uh, it's just you need to quantify if it's the right information, if it's not or not the right information, because you cannot just like rely on one source. You, you have to have multiple yeah. sources to prove that. Yeah. It's the same like technical optimization. We need to use a bunch of tools. We can't use one tool to get all inside. <laughs> it's the same here. You need you need to research even on YouTube, on TikTok. When I ask my son, please Google, he usually uses TikTok. He doesn't care about Google. He, he, uh, he ignores completely Google, but he loves TikTok. He can find almost anything on TikTok, you know. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. we'll see. Today, yeah. uh, it's popular to search on uh, YouTube, TikTok uh, to get answers. I know great experts who can learn only from YouTube. Like Ferry Kazoni, he told me he learns everything from YouTube. So he loves this yeah. content. Uh, it brings a lot of uh, valuable insights. Uh, Sheikh, I have my final question, very important question uh, for my audience um, about your daily routine, about your schedule, how you start your day, how you finish your day, uh, how you prioritize things, because I have a hundred things to do every single day. I need to manage my team, uh, a lot of people to create content, to speak with clients, and I can't do everything that I want to do. So I skip or delegate or do myself. So it depends, the three things, but I prioritize. Can you tell your methods how to prioritize stuff uh, and uh, how you schedule your day, uh, optimize uh, to do as much as possible? Yeah. Um, okay, so I'm a family guy, first of all. So I mean, like, you know, it's, that's, that's the most important thing for anyone uh, out there. Uh, I just had my son born like nine months ago. Uh, he's quite young. My congratulations. Um, Thank you so much. So basically what thing is like, you know, like, first of all, I have a company, we have the remote team, they're working from different time zones at the moment. Uh, so it can go tough. I mean, uh, but you have to simplify your life somewhere. So my routine works like I wake up in the morning, I have a team huddle, we discuss like what we are doing on a day on a, on a particular day. Uh, there are some things which you can throw off to your subordinates that, you know, they can take care of those particular things. And then you can pretty much have a quick check of like if things are working out or not. 
my agency is very different than other agencies. We are not a mass clientele kind of an agency. We're very boutique in our approach. So may, I mean, like I'm personally involved in every account that we work on. So I, there's a limit or there's a threshold of the amounts of uh, clients that we can work with at a particular single time, you know? So in, in, in that regard, you know, like the, the only downside is that we cannot just go and like have thousand clients over today. Uh, that doesn't work like that because I mean, I cannot be available for all of them. So the, the average day starts with me just having a huddle. Uh, after the huddle, I do have a breakfast. After that, I, before that, no time. Um, and it's pretty much remote. I work from home. My team also work from home. Post COVID, we had a very, very, very good experience with uh, with working remotely. And I think you know, like, um, and second after that, you know, like uh, we we have a, a team a journey of the whole day in terms of like what's pretty much happening on a daily basis. We wrap up the day before um, closing. That you know, like what what was done, what was not done, what's pending, what's not. We also use project management tools to kind of, you know, work our way around to kind of, you know, see. As an agency, we use um, uh, Avaza, which is like a agency management tool. So we know like exactly everybody who's doing what, because as a, as a remote team, it's very, very important to know exactly, you know, like what's the task distribution. And we also actually share those timesheets with the clients on a monthly basis. So they know exactly like what time we are spending on what particular tasks at the end of the day. Um, finally, um, I would say when we close the day after that, I have some family time for sure. Uh, I, I just, uh, have some fun with my wife and my kids um, and after that i would say i'm a night owl so i also work at nights um but they in, in the morning it's mostly the agency work and in the night it's more of my personal projects because i'm also something i'm, I'm also doing something of my own uh, on the side so i mean you know like i also try to give it some time uh, whenever I'm, I'm 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 completely free um and then yeah i mean like um i, I sleep quite late i know I'm, I'm pretty much hurting myself in the in the night but i think the time management between the agency and your own personal projects you have to compromise something over there so sometimes i compromise my sleep sometimes i compromise my personal projects just to make sure that we keep a yeah. healthy distribution but but it's just about prioritizing stuff you know like for instance my first priority is my agency my clients so that takes my my morning hours which are the most productive hours out of everything and and then i have three to four productive hours just before I'm going to go to sleep. So before that, my mind is fully focused, working on it. So if it's if I'm not feeling sleepy, I'll just work on my projects. If I have worked a lot today, I'll probably take a break the next day and kind of make sure that my body functions in a proper way. Um, and I think I think it's it's just a balance that you need to maintain. Uh, sometimes you will, be, you will pretty much get on weight. You will probably get obese. Sometimes you 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 might need to do some networking. I'm extrovert. I like networking. I like going outside. I like meeting, doing conferences, doing speaking on the events. So I mean, you know, sometimes you know it's it's a good takeaway for me to. It's it's just like a break for me to kind of you know say like don't sit at home in front of my screen. Go out, have some good networking, meet like-minded people. Uh, brainstorm about like the industry st uh, stuff. We also have a community here in Dubai about like 300 to 400 people, all SEOs, all marketing people. So I kind of, you know, like having some meetups uh, arranged uh, here and there just to kind of share ideas, collaborate what's working in the industry and what's not. Us answering the questions, asking the questions is a very, very fun exercise. Um, I also do sports. I'm into snooker. We do like play pool or snooker on, a, on the weekends uh, with my friends. And uh, usually on weekends, I'm pretty much with my family I'm going out. I like, uh, I like um, uh, like I'm 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 a I'm a I'm a very good kind of a car guy. So it's also a hobby for me on the weekends. I like building cars, engines. Uh, I'm a, I'm a I'm a V8 head. So I mean, like I like uh, building cars, engines, and stuff like that. So yeah, I mean, like aside from work, this is something that you, that keeps you healthy and you keep your mind in a very healthy state and very motivated for the next week, which is coming up for you. 
Wow, you have a great life, you know, <laughs> great life. <laughs> you shared a lot. <laughs> yeah, many things you can do, and of course, it's important to find the balance between family and business. Yeah. You know, if you have no this balance, you can't be productive in business. You can't uh, be I'm, happy. Yeah. My final takeaway, just for just to show mm-hmm. like all the listeners, is more of like you know, there was time when I was burning my health just because I was working too much. So you just need to take care of yourself as well, because I mean, you know, like there are some things which which can be done, and there can be done some things which cannot be undone. You know, so I think your health comes first about everything, health, family, and then work pretty much follows behind with everything. You can be an entrepreneur, you can be a very a person who wants to work all the time, but still, you know, you just need to take or give some give yourself some break, some time, do some things which you love, and I think it's gonna have a very positive impact in your work life as well. Yeah, agree, agree, uh, completely. I couldn't agree more. Uh, that is why I play basketball, I play soccer, volleyball, I go to the gym, and uh, I'm not yeah. productive if I don't do this stuff. So if yeah. I skip sport activities, if I skip, uh, I don't know, to relax sometimes, um, yeah, I'm not productive in my business. Yeah, Sheikh, it's a big yeah. pleasure to get in my show. Likewise. I love this experience, so fun, so valuable. To p- tell the babes way how to keep learning from you, how to reach out to you, how to follow you. I mean, like I'm, I'm very active on my social medias. I'm, I'm, I'm highly active on my LinkedIn. So you can, you can search me on LinkedIn. Um, and uh, I'm also, um, I mean, I'm into helping people. A lot of people come to me for just uh, consultancy. It's free completely. I like helping people, especially the startups, because I'm, I, I had a startup four years ago, and I mean, like you know, I really respect that idea of entrepreneurship and people trying to, you know, kind of do something amazing and kind of helping others solving a problem in the industry. So feel free to reach out anywhere, uh, especially on LinkedIn or my email. Uh, and I think I will be very, very happy to help you guys. Okay, nice. Guys, you can find links uh, to LinkedIn account, to the website in the description below. Listen us on Apple, Google, Spotify. Thanks again for your time. Love it. So valuable. I recommend to anyone to follow Sheikh uh, on social media, on LinkedIn. Because I follow, I need to update what I have. Digital marketing is a quickly changing world. You need to adapt. And if you do it fast, much faster than competitors, you will be fine. Nothing can beat you. Okay, guys, love you. See you. Thanks for tuning in to Unmess. Enjoyed the show? Drop us a review on your favorite platform and help us spread the digital marketing wisdom. See you next episode.